Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Reza- now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I- Allison, where did you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the, on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm very excited to bring in my guest. But first, I must catch up with the bad boy of podcasting, a name he gave himself, Tony Thaxton. <laughs> Hello. That part. I know. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. Hi. It feels like uh, I was thinking right as we started, I was like, what is I know I, I missed the Monday show this week. And then... It feels like I haven't seen you in forever. I know. I was thinking the same. I think think it's because, yeah, but confusingly, when you say you missed the Monday show, to them, it's actually the Thursday show. Because the show comes out on Monday and Thursday, and we record the one that comes out on Thursday on Monday, which is, it's sort of like how the, the podcast recorder is called a Zoom, and the program we use, Unrelated, is called Zoom, and it creates endless confusion. Yes, we're so, going with Allison Rosen is your new best friend, the world's most confusing podcast. Now, see, there you go with your marketing savvy, <laughs> just like the bad boy of podcasting. You You're posted welcome. a photo, Tony, of, and you captioned it, the bad boy of podcasting. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> of you with like four cigarettes, all of them unlit. Uh huh. Did you never smoke? Did you? No, never. Not a, Have, not a day in my life. No. You've never even had a puff of a no. cigarette. No. It's I, I, I despise <laughs> cigarettes. Always have. Somehow I felt like I wait, were you did you ever claim to be straight edge? Were you straight edge? Um no, I never made that claim, but I, I more or less was for because uh, I no, I guess I started I didn't drink until I was twenty one. Uh and I actually was already twenty one for a little while before I even had drink, but uh I don't know, I never called myself straight edge though. <laughs> You, you've never even been cur- – I don't mean to, like, push smoking on you or anything, oh, but you've never even been curious about it? No, because I have asthma, too. Mm. So, like, that already, like, put – like, makes it very unappealing because when I was – anytime I would be around it when I was younger, it just, like, yeah. didn't uh, sit well with me. So You're a real bad boy. Yeah. You know, I don't got to do the stuff that's cool. <laughs> I'm just naturally cool. You've got asthma. <laughs> that's right. You drank – not until you are legally able to. Um, mm-hmm. Well, this is all very interesting. I'm glad to have you back. It does feel like it's been forever. Yeah. It I does. like it's. Well, I guess it was last week you and Daniel. Is that why it feels even longer too? Was that just you? And no, Daniel it was episode? Nicole Thurman. You were there. Oh, yeah. Dude, why does that feel so long ago? It does. I don't because I don't know. I don't because time <laughs> is conf- confused and distorted. Yeah. I see that you've Halloweened your. You've you gotten up your hollow gotten up, 
put up some Halloween decorations. Look, full disclosure, before we started, I said, I feel discombobulated and I hope it magically goes away when it starts. And thus far, that has not happened. I'm a little scattered and a little all over the place. Is it because I used a different shampoo and conditioner in the shower? A sample of a very popular, I'll just tell you guys, they're not a sponsor, but I got a sample of that Moroccan oil hydrating shampoo and conditioner. And I thought... I'm going to try this because I know everyone's into it. Now, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I have been using herbal essence. Okay. And by the way, Pros is a sponsor and I have Pros in the shower and I do use it and I do love it. But I've discovered, and it makes my hair look good and it's soft. But I've discovered if I just use cheapo Clairol herbal essences, then I do not need to wash my hair nearly as soon as when I use a shampoo that doesn't like damage it and strip it. So I, I'm using a hydrating shampoo again today. My hair does feel soft and smell good, but it's made, I think I'm off my game because my hair smells so good. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You know how that sense. happens. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. <sighs> we need to bring in our guest in a second, but Tony, I have to tell you, and this is going to be, I know you love when I say something really vague and then I make you guess. <laughs> oh so boy. here we go. Something I've started doing, I was a holdout, the young people are all doing it. And now I've started doing it too. And I'm like, I can't believe I waited so long. Take I think it. I already know what it is. Really? I haven't talked about it. No, never? I don't know. I don't know anymore. I was gonna I was gonna go jump right to TikTok. Yes. Yeah. You've talked about this. What? I mean, not that you not that you're on it now, but you've talked about like, should I get on the Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see. Right. I thought this was, uh, apparently I did uh, a certain Just Me or Everyone two weeks in a row, and I had no memory of that. <laughs> so I thought this was another, like, did I, am I, am I trapped in a wrinkle in time? What's happening? Um, no. Yes. I talked about should I, shouldn't I? I. It was a real, a real moonlighting. There's a young reference. Should, will they, won't, <laughs> will I, won't I? With TikTok, I had downloaded it, and then Daniel... Old no fun himself had said there were all these. This is like two years ago, though. There's all these security concerns with it. So we should get we should delete it. So I deleted it. And then I just couldn't get the wherewithal to get back on. Um, I don't enjoy watching reels on Instagram. I find they, they put me in a they make me feel very annoyed and I find them cringeworthy. And I, I just I couldn't imagine I couldn't see like, why am I going to enjoy TikTok if I don't enjoy reels? But then I don't know what it was that made me decide, you know what, I'm going to jump in. And I know I sound like every other person on the universe, but I do love it. It is addictive. Wow, those people are creative. And it's like a new crush. Like, I can't wait till I have moments by myself to go back to, to, I don't know how this is like a crush. Oh, it's like a crush in that like there's a there's something new and exciting and hopeful in my life. I'm in the honeymoon period of it now. It hasn't destroyed anything. Um, but yesterday I didn't really enjoy the ones as much that I was being given. So I feel like, you know, the alg- the more you watch, the more the algorithm gets to know you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's happened. I mean, I know this is just my fault somehow, but I feel like I've led the algorithm astray. You're in a pickle. You really. I hope. I hope this gets sorted before it's like, the holidays. Oh God! I, before cuffing season, <laughs> um, I really hope so because it's sort of like I have the Apple News app, and you know, the more you click on a certain type of news story, the more I think gives you that story. Mm-hmm. 
And so today there was this headline. It was like 17 year old boy arrested for stabbing death of t- twin sister. And I was like, I, cl- I clicked like faster than I could even read it. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Why do I click shit? Like I click shit like that. Like, you know, man serves ex-girlfriend, pet Pomeranian. No, <laughs> that one. That's an old story. But I just remember being like, this is one of the like, worst things I've ever read. Why am I reading it? So the, there's something in me that clicks on stuff I don't want more of anyway. So I think I'm doing that to myself with the TikTok algorithm. Well, you're new. You're new still. You're figuring it out. You'll get I know. There. I believe in you. This is like watching my mom try to get her computer set up or something. <laughs> Only I'm not texting Elliot to ask him questions about stuff where they're like, there is no question. I, is that if, really what happens? When she's trying to set her stuff up yes it's just asking me constant questions and i'm like i am far from an apple genius oh oh sorry i thought i misunderstood i thought you're saying she texts elliot these questions oh my god if elliot (laughs) could text back i think she would you know what oh i was gonna say that you know i was gonna say you know what tony i think i also forgot to put on deodorant hence the discombobulation but no i did put it on is it going to be this kind of show where every <laughs> single thought that where the thought just say, goes head to mouth, just straight out? I think yeah, so. it might and be. And you're in a room alone right now. You could have kept that one to yourself. We wouldn't have known. Yeah, I know. It's more of like a sensation. I mean, I know that it, which obviously doesn't undermine your point at all. And actually, anyway, I'm going to I'm going to here's me and I'm just going to move myself off of this because you know what? There is someone waiting here who I would like to get to know more and to talk to more. She is a writer, a journalist, a podcast host, a mom. You know her from the hit podcast Forever 35 and Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. She's been on the show twice before uh, with her, she, with Matt Myra, her husband and co-host on Excellent Adventure podcast, and uh, with Kate Spencer of Forever 35. It is damn time that she comes on by herself. And here is her book. Thanks for waiting. A memoir, the joy and weirdness of being a late bloomer. Please put your hands together for Dory Shafrir. Hello. Hello. How's it going? You know, everything you were saying about TikTok was very familiar to me. Really? I went, yes, I went through this recently. And Matt, my my husband, as you just mentioned, would come he would like come in the room and I would, I would be like embarrassed and try to like close the app immediately. And he'd be like, are you on TikTok again? And I'd be like, I, I mean, I was just, I was just looking, I was just looking, but um, yeah, that was uh, very relatable. You know, you can click not interested on a video. Where, where, where is that? It's, it's kind of hidden. Mm. You have to click as though like you were going to share it. And then it's like hidden in there, but you can say not interested. So if you're getting, if the algorithm like misreads you and you start getting a bunch of stuff you're not interested in, you can be like, no. I did accident, like there's a couple ones that I saw where I wanted to see more of what this person had. More of the story. Yes. Yes, Because they'll do like a six part. 
yes, this led me down a horrible garden path where I suddenly started seeing a lot of like childhood trauma videos. Oh, geez. Yes. And I was like, no, no, there was just this one story that I right. cared about. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of times I wanted to see more of something, but I accidentally followed the person because I was unclear oh, of which place. to. Uh-huh. So then I unfollowed uh-huh. pretty quickly, but that might be throwing me up. Yeah, I am getting a lot of psychological stuff. Although yeah. one that I actually enjoyed was a plastic surgeon talking about just like debunking myths and stuff. But I probably Ooh, that's fun. It is. But I probably watched. 25 minutes of plastic surgery stuff and I'm like this I'm surprised it didn't mess up my algorithm Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know now when Matt would come in and shame you is it because TikTok is not is he anti-TikTok or is it because like it's not new to him like it was to you um he's not on TikTok oh He, he he has a general feeling that I'm on my phone too much And you know what? He's not wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more like, just like, why are you on your phone? You know? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. We're in a global pandemic. It's been like a year and a half of being at home. Can you just like, let me have this thing? I I feel that I am on my phone too much. And I've tried um, yeah. plenty of times to be on it less. So it's weird that I'm so excited about this new compulsion I have. I think I just feel like, you know what? It's not like I discovered some new food or some new drug. It's something that's pretty harmless. But of course, that's what you say at the beginning of an addiction. <laughs> Have you ever been tempted to make a TikTok video? I've had some ideas and then been like, oh, it's just so much work. <laughs> so yeah, I don't even now- know how. Yeah, I don't really know how. And I'm also like, I'm old and I'm getting a lot of enjoyment out of just watching and lurking as we used to say yeah Um, i feel like a tiktok lurker um and i don't really feel the need to be a creator Mm -hmm. because i also feel like that might suck some of the joy of it yes suck out some of the joy of it for me like i'd be like how many people have watched my video did they like it you know all that stuff that kind of comes to consume you and i don't know yeah Via t- TikTok, and then and then I'll move on because I know that to like the vast majority of people, they discovered this already. <laughs> so this is, ridiculous. Yes. this is ridiculous. Or they have, or they have zero interest. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hence, giving the people what they want, but this might be relatable. Uh, via TikTok, I discovered that something that I do is not actually. This is very much my show. It's not just me. Sometimes I will open the front door and place a bag of trash just right in front of the front. You, you go out our front door oh, to yes, get to yes, our yes. garbage cans. Mm-hmm. Instead of going all the way across to the garbage cans, I'll just put it right mm-hmm. in front uh, so that Daniel can do it when he's doing stuff like that. Uh, that's that's a, like a not just me thing. Do you, have you ever done that? I have done something similar, but I also have to remember, like, if Matt doesn't then take it out, like, you got to remember to take it or you'll have a problem. So, (laughs) And also, for anyone coming to your front door, now that there's a lot of people, the only people really that are coming to our front door are, like, delivery people or the mailman, which that's redundant. Um, But still, it's like, oh, look, they these people have a bag of trash Right. It's kind of gross. <laughs> it's also, totally our trash gross. cans are literally, I don't know, 10 yards from our front door. Like, it's its really... I know. I've real, started. Real I've started making the whole trip. 
I feel like, you know, I feel like when I lived in New York, I would sometimes leave like a bag of trash outside my apartment door to like take to the trash room later, Mm -hmm. which is also gross. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I, one of my apartments in New York, and by the way, if anyone didn't know, I used to live in New York. I don't talk about it much. That's a joke because I talk about it all the time. People give me shit. Um, I just miss it. Uh, I was very afraid of the trash room and I was also afraid of the, the laundry room because they were both in the basement and they were both felt very sketchy. But mm. they're, you're in New York, you're not allowed to throw your trash in, in on like a, in a public trash can. Right. Yes. But exactly. I know that I tried to a few times. <laughs> I never got busted. I always felt like I'm really getting away with stuff. Well, that's good. Do you miss New York? Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you think of going back? Like to live? Mm-hmm. Like in a world where I don't have a toddler and you know what I mean? Like yeah. if my life were completely different, sure. But the way my life is now, no, I cannot see myself going back. I was there over Labor Day weekend for a family wedding and mm-hmm. I was there alone. And that was really fun because I got to just kind of like be footloose and fancy free in New York and pretend like I don't have all these responsibilities mm-hmm. at home um, for a few days. So that was fun, but that is unfortunately not reality. Yeah. I, when you say, because I, I have this fantasy of getting back there someday, um, but I don't really know how that would work with two little kids. Yeah. But then I think like, well, we could be those people who live in a house in New Jersey. That sounds interesting too, which I, I feel like what all the people who didn't move out here, they're now in New yes. Jersey probably. A hundred percent. And they're, and according to social media, their lives are really cute. They have a very cute situation in New Jersey. Totally. My, one of my very good friends who moved to New Jersey is very happy there. Extremely happy there. So, you know, there's, there's a whole other world out there it's in New Jersey. Let's yep. talk about the book. Thanks for waiting. Okay. Let's do it. Um, let's do it. So I related intensely to everything. Um, and I don't, I, uh, there's so much, there's so much to talk about. Can you talk a bit about, uh, your feelings about pivoting from journalism to podcasting? Yeah, sure. So I was a journalist for 15 years, I think, thereabouts. And I had started Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure while I was still working at BuzzFeed. That was my last full-time job in journalism. But that was a very, that was like a a side project. Um, And it chronicled our uh, IVF journey, if you will. And it's still going, even though we have a two and a half year old, as I mentioned. Um, But that podcast, I was never like, I'm, I'm going to do this as my job. It was just sort of like this side thing. But then in 2018, I started Forever 35 with my friend Kate. And that became like pretty popular right away. And we started making money from it. And I was like, you know what? I, w- I don't want to be a journalist anymore. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel kind of done. Um, and I was like, could I be a podcaster question mark? And, <laughs> and then I was able to do it. And I, you know, I think one of the reasons I was sort of, excuse me, disillusioned with journalism at the time was, you know, if you recall, the beginning of 2018, Donald Trump had been in office for about a year. And 
we were not allowed to like be political, quote unquote, at all. Like we you as, as someone who works at worked at BuzzFeed. Worked at, yes, who was a journalist and worked in media. Um, and a lot of I would say most news organizations mm-hmm. have similar policies because you're supposed to be objective. And I was just like, what? But like, there's nothing objective about like, am I pro putting children in cages or am I anti? You know what I mean? Right. There just seemed like so many things where I was like, this is not a question of like objectivity. This is a question of like human decency. Mm -hmm. And the moral clarity just seemed pretty obvious to me. And I was getting like very frustrated that I couldn't express any of that like publicly. Mm -hmm. And so, but why was it just a holdover of journalists are supposed to be impartial? Was it that you could lose sponsors? Was like, do you, what, what was the thinking behind that rule? It was the impartial. It was journalists are supposed to be objective. Journalists are not supposed to, you know, express these opinions right. publicly because then they could bias could be perceived mm-hmm. in their work. Um, Which I think to some people, people who are definitely on TikTok, that would sound like, what? I don't even know that world because journalism has switched so much to, you know, uh, opinion everywhere. Totally. And, you know, it also led to me just sort of questioning the whole notion of objectivity, Mm -hmm. like what, who decides what is objective? And so that was, that was kind of swirling in my brain. And I was also just burnt out on journalism anyway and felt like the industry as a whole was not a healthy industry Mm. and the places like I'd been at BuzzFeed for six years at that point and I felt like it's time for me to get a get another job but I was like where would I go like Mm -hmm. anywhere that I would have wanted to go had either like shut down (laughs) or you know like wasn't hiring or you know various things because the industry is kind of effed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of these things were happening. And I I was 40. I just turned 40. And I was kind of like, if not now, when? Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah. So that was kind of the the motivation behind it. And I I can sincerely say, like, I've never looked back. Like, it's been only positive. Mm-hmm. For me, the journalism dream was because I started writing young. I was freelancing right. for a lot of big places. I moved to New York. I thought, but I have bylines from people and Rolling Stone. Like they're just, I'm going to be the toast of the town. They're going to scoop me up. And <laughs> that did not happen. I continued freelancing for a couple of years and then I took a job at Time Out in New York that I right. was also, um, I forget if I, had been given I I was also talking to entertainment weekly but they were on a much slower timeline Mm -hmm. and they were going to give me an edit test but like they had sort of given me uh they laid out what the timeline was going to be but meanwhile I had this offer from time out New York and entertainment weekly was and I think you talk about this in your book like the prestige of certain magazines Entertainment Weekly was much more like the kind of building I wanted to be in, the mm-hmm. kind of magazine, like every all the trappings versus yes. – did you ever go to the Time Out New York office? I didn't. It was on 36th and 
ninth or tenth. I mean, it was like it was a nice oh, that's office. That's right by that's right by where the Daily News office that yes. I write about in the book. Yes, was. that which, is a very depressing. Or it was a yes, very, I had three Hudson Yards. That was a very depressing part of New York City. I had been, and yes, and I had been to that building, and I like I totally related to how just ugh, it is. Um, yeah. that yeah, it just feels like. Does wind even blow? I mean, it's windy, but just like there's just there's the energy of every part everywhere else in the city. You don't feel it all the way over there. Totally. Um, Totally. But I ended up taking that job. What was my my point was um, and I never had a like dramatic as much of a dramatic like I'm walking away from journalism, but it it sort of happened organically. But my dream was I will write cover stories for Vanity Fair and for Rolling Stone and there Mm -hmm. I have these moments where I'm like oh I guess I'm not gonna like my life's not I guess I let that go and you said some sort of similar things in here of like are you ready to let remind me what your dream was journalism wise I mean I also had that dream right because I think you know we're we're basically the same age and I think for people of our generation you know when we were growing up and when we were in college and even right after college, like working for one of those legacy print mm-hmm. publications like Vanity Fair, like Rolling Stone, New York, writing stories for them. Yeah. The New Yorker, like that was the dream. That was the pinnacle of, you know, of media. Um, if you wanted to go into magazines, like if you wanted to go into newspapers and you wanted to work for the New York Times or the right. Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal, um, there were like very specific things that people wanted. And I definitely like bought into that. And then I think I gradually grew as I grew like more disillusioned, (laughs) um, kind of with the industry, but also like, understood that that different types of media were emerging that would allow me to like tell stories Mm -hmm. in different ways and to different audiences than like a Vanity Fair cover story, right? which speaks to a very specific audience that I now don't really care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also like that kind of stuff is for me, and maybe this is just something I tell myself, but I think it's ego based. It's I want to be the person that someone thinks like that has been something I've had to reckon with. This is going to sound ridiculous to people because they're like, yeah, duh. But I'm like, I'm not part of the cultural conversation in that way that I wanted to be at one point. Mm. Like, they're not Mm -hmm. like, we need someone to interview so-and-so. Get Alison Rosen. And that's what I I wanted at one point. I probably still want it, if I'm being fully honest, you know, but in a a different way. Right. Um, Dory, you've written... So you have tons of journalism experience. You also wrote a novel, Startup, which I enjoyed mm-hmm. so much. And Thank then you. this is, if I'm right, thanks for waiting, is your first memoir. What was your experience writing it like compared to the other kinds of writing and just in general? It was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was gr- like, n- not going to lie. It was grueling. Mm-hmm. I completely underestimated the like mental toll <laughs> that it would take on me. Um, I had originally, I sold it on a proposal as a book of essays. And I was like, I've been writing essays for years. Like, this will be no sweat. I Mm -hmm. can just throw this together. Not the case. (laughs) (laughs) And then about a year in when I was like really struggling and I was like, I don't know if this book is ever going to get written. Um, 
I ended up working with an outside editor who was like, I don't think this is a book of essays. I think this is a memoir. So I completely reworked it and restructured Mm. it. And I obviously talked to my editor um, at Ballantine about this. And she was like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. And then turned it into her. And then we went through like three or four rounds of revisions. But like one thing that I hadn't like quite reckoned with before I wrote the book was when you sell a memoir, you have to like live, you have to relive all of these kind of painful parts of your past, like over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Like you're writing them, you're rewriting them, they're getting edited. Your editor's saying, I need you to be more vulnerable here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm bearing my soul. <laughs> um, so that was hard. Mm-hmm. That was really hard. What was the the hardest part to write? You know, I think it was actually some of the the earlier stuff because, you know, because we had been doing the Excellent Adventure podcast, I kind of felt like a lot of my infertility stuff was like already out there. Mm-hmm. I'd already talked about it. I'd already kind of processed it. So that was hard. But I had never like really talked about my experiences like dating in New York and how traumatic like some of that stuff was Um, and having to like relive that was tough. And also like writing about early motherhood was also hard Mm -hmm. because that was still like relatively new when I was writing it. Like Henry, my son was only like a year old when I was reworking this. And so accessing like the feelings I had had a few months earlier, you know, those, those feelings were still pretty new. So that was also tough. Mm-hmm. Um, when you sold it as a book of essays, was that a book of essays about being a late bloomer? Yes. So that was always the theme. Mm-hmm. Have you always felt like a late bloomer? I think I did socially. I always felt awkward and like, I didn't really fit in like all these kind of classic smart girl tropes that, you know, were very popular in popular culture in like the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I really identified with a lot of those girls like Angela Chase and my so-called life and um, Veronica Sawyer and Heather's mm-hmm. and, you know, this, this sort of archetype. Um, Harriet the spy who you mentioned. Harriet the spy. Yes. And so, Um, I think I always felt socially that I was a little like out of step with my peers and like lost my virginity when like late quote unquote to me, like I was just like, oh my God, I'm so late. Like everything felt late to me. And Mm -hmm. of course now in retrospect, I'm like, this was all like self-imposed, like no one cares, (laughs) Um, but I didn't like realize that at the time. You know, I was the. I was the same way. I always, sometimes I, I, I look at my life now and I think it's crazy to me that I'm married with kids. Like mm-hmm. it all worked. Not that this should be everyone's goal, but it always was something that I wanted. Like it yeah. worked out this thing that I like, this is, sounds so stupid, but like every time I, you know, if I ever made a wish like through a coin, it was always Mm -hmm. somehow related to like some guy or some this or some that. And it's like, so I was so sure that I just wasn't ever going to find someone to love me. Um, it's, and yet everything did kind of work out. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I wonder why we put such pressure on ourselves. Is it just, do you think it's just because we're social animals? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, I think also like wanting human companionship is not like a bad thing. Like it's not bad to want to be loved and be mm-hmm. in love. And it's not bad to want to be in a relationship and like want to find your person. Um you know, I, I talk about this in the book a little bit, but I think women especially often get framed as like desperate or needy when they say things like, I just really want to meet someone. But like, why is that bad? Like, you know, I think I think that is a totally normal human feeling. Um, and it's also fine if you don't want to meet someone like both of those things are totally fine. Um So I think for me personally, I was like reacting to this feeling of like, wait, am I quote unquote, just one of those desperate women? And that felt really bad to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had to sort of like reframe my thinking around that. It's funny. It's also funny you say that because sometimes like, because now I have mom friends who are like 10 years younger than me. Yes. You know, because I had my first kid when I was almost 42 and, and we're, you know, I love them. We're good friends. Our kids play together. But sometimes I look at them and I think, oh, like you had your kid at 32. Like I was staying out till 4 a.m. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like funny to like think about where I was at their age and they're like, now they're doing all the things that I'm doing, but I'm 10 years older than Yes, are, Yeah. You know? I have a sister who's four years younger than I am. And a lot of times I'll think my mom friends are even younger than my sister. And my sister's, you know, not crazy young anymore, but in my yes. mind, it's like, I have is. felt the same thing. And my sister's seven years younger. And I'm like, oh, so my sister's 37. And I've been like, wait, these like, my like two best mom friends or my three best mom friends are all 34 or 35. Yes. And then <laughs> another like- another thing we have in common. I can't remember if this came up the last time you came on, but um so everyone knows I did, you know, extensive fertility stuff yes. like you. Uh and there was there's this one clinic in Colorado which is known as the best. I don't know mm-hmm. why. Are their rates higher? I don't mean price, yes. although it probably is, but like yeah. they're just known as the best. And there was one point where I had a consultation with them. Um, oh, wow. I didn't actually go out there. It was just phone, mm-hmm. but I thought of switching. And you talk about at one point yeah. doing that as well. Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't because it all worked out. But there was one point. I, th- I was just discouraged. I mean, there's so many different things that can happen in the course of IVF, of all of that stuff that are discouraging. It's like totally. such a... It's so, uh, it's so, what's the word? Overwhelming and engrossing and it becomes yes. its own thing. Like, I, I don't even, so there were points at which I'm like, is it that I want a child or I just want things to work? Totally. And you feel like you've been doing it for so long yeah. that you're just like, can't this just work already? Yeah, totally. Um, do you, so when we last talked, you had one embryo left. And you were talking about keeping it frozen. Something had been picked up on it that like years before it would have tested as a normal embryo. We ended up transferring it and it didn't work. Oh, I'm sorry. When was that? That was a bummer. That was in May, I think. 
of this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's very recent. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, thanks. So how are you feeling about all that? I mean, not great, but I'm sort of like coming to terms with it. Mm-hmm. Would you, are you considering doing more stuff or? I think at this point, like if we just had one factor, like if it was just that Matt's sperm wasn't great, but I was like 32 or if Matt had great sperm and I was old then like that would be kind of different. But like we have so we, at this point, we have so much working against us. Like I'm 44. Matt has shitty sperm. Like it's just not a great combo. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we are like I we would just be throwing money away. Yeah. And I don't I don't really want to do another I don't I don't want to do another round of IVF. Like it's just it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Then you get to a point where, you know, I got this hair up my butt. Totally. Where I'm like, oh, my God, what if I could have a third? And I swear to God, the only reason I want I thought that is because I knew that I couldn't. Um, mm. It really was just me wrestling with biology and with life and yeah. uh, my period was very late one time which is it was i mean it's perimenopause but i got it in my head that like oh my god what if it's like a miracle like what if i'm if i get pregnant and then i was like very disappointed when it turned out that i wasn't but of course mm-hmm. i wasn't and so then i went down this road of like what if we could um and i even <clears throat> emailed my the our fertility doctor and she was on vacation. She's like, when I get back in the office, you know, I'll, I'll look at all your stuff again. But if you're between day this and day this of your cycle, why don't you stop by the office? We'll do an ultrasound and see where you are. And just reading that, I was like, you know what? I don't want to. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to count my follicles. I don't want to do all this again. And also, like you're saying, like I, and I know it's not going to work because the yeah. last two retrievals we did, we got nothing. And that was just pouring throwing money away so yeah it really was i think just knowing that i couldn't i i'm a real like well i want what i can't have kind of person are you or are you pretty accepting no i mean that is really what you just said is like very relatable and i think when it comes to fertility stuff it can feel very frustrating i think as people who are used to not like always getting what we want, but there's this expectation that if we work hard mm-hmm. and we like want something badly enough that like we can probably make it happen. And like that just doesn't work with fertility stuff. No, but the illusion of that is there because you totally. are working hard at something. I remember I was going to a trainer and you know who this is. Um, for a period of time years ago. <laughs> and it was the first time I'd ever gone to a trainer. And I was really into like, I just got really, I, I mean, I just jumped in. It was like 110%, like just super into all yeah. aspects of it. And I'm like, I am like a specimen that I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I wasn't in perfect shape, but for me, you know, and I was drinking water and I was just being so mm-hmm. regimented and so diligent. And I was doing fertility stuff at the time. Mm. And I told myself, because I'm like taking control of all these things having to do with my body, this is going to be like the best ever. It's going to be the Mm. best ever cycle. I fully bought into having that kind of control. Mm -hmm. And then I got a call saying, 
we're canceling the cycle. Your luteinizing hormone was sky high or something like that. And I felt so betrayed by everything. Like as it turned out, meditating and blah, blah, blah. And all like it hadn't affected my hormones at all. Of course. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever do acupuncture? I did do acupuncture and I was just going to mention something like you just alluded to, which is like when you're, when you're going through fertility stuff, wanting to find other aspects of your life that you can take control of Mm -hmm. because all the fertility stuff just feels like you have no control. So that feels very like relatable to me. Um, Oh, Ooh, just like bringing me back to that time. I did do acupuncture. Um, you know, I don't know if it, it's like one of those things where you're like, sure, I'll do it. But you don't know if it like actually right. does anything. I remember asking my doctor, is there anything I can do that? Cause she, a lot of stuff I would mention, um, she would say like, it's not gonna, you know, cause I remember hearing like, there's, I don't know if you did this, but there's, there's a whole school of thought that's like, you shouldn't use any plastic because plastic is an endocrine interrupter and you should switch everything to glass and you shouldn't wear nail, po- nail polish and all this stuff. And she's like, no, it's fine. You can wear nail polish. Um, but she said the <laughs> one thing she's like, Botox is bad for fertility stuff or maybe for getting pregnant or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, there is some evidence that acupuncture can help. I never did it. But I thought that was interesting. Hmm, that is interesting. Speaking of things that I think do help definitely with everything in your life, um, you guys know I'm a big, big fan of therapy. I've been in therapy for years. It has helped me so much. And I advise therapy for anyone who's open to it. I, I The way I see it is like before therapy, imagine like an old school set of files with a bunch of papers and the papers were just strewn about and therapy just helps kind of like put the, for me, put the papers in the right files, gets everything, you know, just a little more in order. And it just, it makes you feel better. Um, going to therapy is just like a lot of things we do. We get our car tuned to prevent bigger issues down the road. We get annual checkups. We do chores to avoid messes. Uh, going to therapy is like, it's like routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent, bigger issues down the road. Uh, and BetterHelp has helped so many people. Um, it's hard to get in with a traditional therapist during the pandemic. Uh, they have crazy long wait lists. So I have two friends who are doing BetterHelp and they have been helped so much. One friend didn't love the therapist that she was matched with first, but with better help, you can change as many times as you want. You can change therapists. There's no extra charge. Um, so she, she liked that therapist, but she felt like there might be a better match asked for a different therapist and they set her up with someone and she's still with that person. And then my other friend loved the therapist he was matched with right away. Uh, and BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Allison Rosen is your new best friend listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash best friend. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash best friend. Again, betterhelp.com slash best friend. I also want to tell you guys about Rothy's. They are, Rothy's are 
amazing. You can wear them out of the box. You don't get blisters. They are probably the most comfortable shoe you will ever own. Uh, and what makes them so comfortable the minute you put them on is their unique seamless design. They are people get one pair and then they instantly want to start collecting them. And so Rothy's keeps coming out with new designs and they sell out. So if you see something you like, grab it. They also have all these different silhouettes. Um, right now I am choosing between, I can't decide whether to get the driver or the loafer, but I think I've decided on the driver in Navy. So if I go, if I log on and it's sold out because you guys bought it, you're going to have to send me your shoes. Um, Rothy's are fully machine washable. They're made out of recycled water bottles, which sounds crunchy, but they're amazingly like soft yet durable. You, you, if you feel what they're made out of, you would never think that it's water bottles. It's crazy. Um, and then also Rothy's shoes aren't just for women anymore. They now sell men's sneakers and men's driving loafers to help you welcome fall season in style. Rothy's is doing something special. That's right. They gave us the chance to share this super rare opportunity with our listeners for a limited time. Right now, you can get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash Allison. That's rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash Allison. Head to rothys.com slash Allison to find your new favorites today. Okay. And we are back. So you have now been doing Forever 35 for how many years? Uh, it'll be f- four years in January. That's awesome. What are some of the challenges you find um, in in having done it this long now? Well, I mean, you've also been doing. How long have you been doing this show? I actually recently mentioned it, and I and I gave the wrong year. Um, I have been, so it started as a streaming internet show when I lived in Brooklyn and that was in 2010 that I started it. Wow. Um, and then it came back as a podcast in 2012. So yeah, it's been nine years as a podcast. And of course, I I mean, I have self-serving reasons for asking that question because I also, you know, it's like, well, I have, I have my own answer, but I'm curious how you feel. Let me read, let me change my question. My, My question is, how do you feel now going into your fourth year? Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> you know, I I feel really lucky because Kate and I were friends before we started Forever 35, but and we had actually been in like a two-person writing group when I was working on my novel and she was working on her memoir about her mom dying. And so we had like kind of worked together, but not really. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know her super well. And so in a way, like we were both taking kind of a a big risk, like going into business with someone. Um, and I can say that like, it's just gone really well. And I, so I feel really lucky that I have this co-host and business partner who I trust a hundred percent, who is just like, like, she's just the best. So that makes it really easy. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like, you know, we haven't, People always ask us, like, what do you like? What do you guys do? You guys fight about stuff? Like, are there things you things you disagree on? And I think we both we both have this perspective of like, is this the hill I want to die on? Mm. You know what I mean? And like, basically, like picking your battles. Mm-hmm. And so there will occasionally be something where we disagree, and either I'm like, you know what, this isn't really such a big deal to me, and I'm like, that's cool, or I'm like actually like i have to like put my foot down about this and 
And then she's like, oh, I see. It's like really important to Dory. But those things are so few and far between. But I think that is what has kind of kept us going, um, that we manage our disagree. Like when disagreements do come up, we're able to kind of manage them. So sorry, this is like a very roundabout, long-winded answer. That's okay. But, um, you know, now we do we do three episodes a week. So oh, that's right. It's like a lot of content. <laughs> when did you start doing a third one? We started doing so when the pandemic started, we started doing a daily podcast called Here for You that was right. like on a separate feed. And we were like, we're just doing this like pandemic podcast for a month because then the pandemic will be over. <laughs> right. <laughs> and after like two months of doing this daily show, we were like, huh. <laughs> this is like <laughs> this is like not ending just anytime a, soon. Just like how so, uh, Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure was going to be a limited series. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I keep Maybe getting six myself episodes. into this situation. Um, and so we were like, okay, we can't. And at that point, we were doing two episodes a week of Forever Thirty Five. So we were like, okay, we cannot do a daily podcast anymore. Like this is this is too much. Yeah. Um, but we could add a third episode of Forever Thirty Five. So that was like last summer. Um, so summer 2020, we started doing the three episodes and, you know, I think there, there have always been times where I'm like, are we going to run out of things to talk about? <laughs> like, uh, but we somehow don't, um, like we still, I still love all the guests that we talked to. I mean, you've been on the show. Like, I think it's just, it, it still feels fun and it still feels interesting and, I still enjoy it and learn new things from it. And so as someone who I feel like has had a little bit of like career ADD, like, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I feel like I sometimes get bored of things like pretty quickly. And then I'm like, mm, let's do something else. I'm not bored of it yet. So I don't know. Excellent Adventure is kind of a different thing though. Like I, I feel like that podcast, like, I don't want to say it's like reached its natural end, but like there, it does sort of feel like, well, you know, we were talking about our infertility journey and like now it kind of feels like, I don't, I think that part of our journey is like pretty much over. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, are we a parenting podcast? Well, no, not really. Right. People still write into us about infertility stuff. And so I want us, you know, I want us to be a resource for that community. Um, but I don't know that I feel like that, show will end before forever 35 how does matt feel about that you know matt i feel like wants to keep it going <laughs> more than i do mm -hmm. not that i don't want to keep it going but i like i'm sort of like well when does it end like right and then like what is it because it's not the same thing that it was when we started and mm -hmm. like maybe that's fine but like I don't know. I like I have these sort of like existential questions about it that i think he doesn't really right um so I don't know. So I'm I'm still I don't like hate it. Um so I'm still you know, I'm still doing it with him. I do I just occasionally am like, huh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um so I don't know. What about you? What what do I think are the challenges of having done it for this long? I yeah. think um I think you get more attention as a podcast when you're new. Yes. So totally. trying to, and I don't try to, but I feel like I should like trying to get people to get press or to get, you know, that kind of attention. It's like, well, I'm, I've been around for a long time at this point, you know? Yep. So I feel like it's got to really be like 
breaking I, I'm, I gotta be breaking some news or something on the show to get yeah. some kind of attention that um i do feel burnout but i don't know if if that's a pandemic thing mm-hmm. or if that's a my show thing mm-hmm. i suspect it's more pandemic because mm-hmm. every, it seems like everyone is is feeling burnout right now I was just reading um, an advice column about someone had written in about this. And the advice was basically like, we're in a pandemic. Like, so many people are feeling this way. Mm -hmm. And it's like, maybe not the time to make like these huge life changes necessarily. Although certainly people have made huge life changes. But it is hard to say. I mean, I also know people who made huge life changes who were like, oh, fuck, that was a mistake. I know people who moved places <laughs> yes, and are not lo- loving it. Yeah, same, same. So I don't know. It's interesting. I actually I've seen. Uh, it's, probably, it's probably on TikTok, but I've seen like, here's why you feel so terrible right now. Like, here's oh. why this this point of the pandemic is making everyone this, feel awful. This specific yes, period. Which is basically the argument that like our surge capacity is we're beyond that. Like we have as humans, we have the ability to oh. sort of live in an emergency state for a period of time, but this kept going and we don't know, you know, and, and we don't know what's on the other side of it or how long it's going to go. So I read that. And then I think, well, I guess I'm lucky then. Cause I don't feel awful. Yeah. You know, I'm tired of it, but I'm not like, I'm not at a breaking point. How are you doing? Yes. Yeah, that's so interesting. That is also kind of how I feel. Um, and this also just like the sense of resignation mm-hmm. of just like, well, I guess this is our this is our life, our lives now. Like my life where my like two and a half year old wears a mask mm-hmm. and I have to, you know, worry about getting on a plane to see my family. And I don't know, just like all this it's weird. It's like a weird, it's weird how that has become just like second. Like, I don't even think it's weird anymore to right. like think about that or that I don't eat at restaurants. Mm-hmm. Like I don't eat, eat inside at restaurants anymore. Like, Oh, I guess it's just not a thing we do anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, I don't know. So I, I, I really feel that. And we, it's funny because I feel like over the summer we had this like brief, glimpse of like what life on the other side could look like and then that was like cruelly taken away from us um and that i mean that like month or three weeks like it was such a short short window um but that was like everyone i did feel like this like big cloud had been lifted Mm -hmm. and people just felt happier and maybe that is also why we all feel so shitty now because like we saw (laughs) like we saw that it could be better and now we're like oh fuck (laughs) yeah um this is a this is a uh, a roundabout story but i used to play in a band and our drummer really wanted to like make it happen was upset if we weren't flyering enough and things like that. And I was like, I don't want to pass out flyers. I I hate this part of it. Um, But anyway, the explanation was for why he was like, so like, we got to make this happen (laughs) was uh, that he had been in a band that had like almost been famous before. So like, you don't understand. He tasted it. (laughs) And what made me think of that was like, yeah, he had tasted it. This is like 20 years ago, you know? Yeah, Yeah. 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 For the for that brief period of time over the summer, we tasted it. 
We tasted yep. the freedom again. We tasted it. We tasted it. And now we have to go back. Um, That's so true. Are you recording in person currently? No. Did you for that little bit of time? Um, no, but only because Kate went to the East Coast for like six weeks this summer, maybe even longer. So she was gone. Okay. So we had always been planning on recording remotely anyway. Um and then, but we were starting to talk about recording in person. Yeah. And then by the time she got back, everything was like shutting down again. And so we were just like, oh, I guess. And then we were kind of like, you know, we record on um, Riverside, which is like a, um, did you ever use like Zencaster? Or I know it, but I've ne- I never used yes. it myself. So Riverside is basically the same thing where it makes it really easy to record remotely and we've just kind of been like, well, it's also like kind of nice to not have to like drive anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I don't actually know when we're going to start recording in person again, and, which is weird. Like yeah. at this point, we've almost been recording remotely for as long as we were recording in person. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And Matt, when did Matt get COVID in relation to when to our to our taste of freedom and then locking down again. So Matt got COVID in January. Okay. Matt got COVID like before, like when the only people who were vaccinated were like healthcare workers. Um, and there was, I don't know if you remember, there was like a surge in LA around yes. Christmas. Yeah. It and was so everywhere. He, yeah. He got it during that period. Um, but I didn't get it and my son didn't get it and our nanny didn't get it. So, that was really lucky. Um, and he had like a mild case, quote unquote, but it still like knocked him on his ass, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we've been seeing that now with people who are getting these breakthrough cases where they're like, oh, COVID sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I had a, I'm vaccinated. I had a mild case and I still like couldn't get out of bed for a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's no joke. Right. So. Yes. That what I've been hearing. From, but but there are some people who it really is nothing like they lose their sense totally. of smell. Yes. And they feel a little weird. But I know of plenty of people who are like, it's the sickest I've ever who are vaccinated who say it's the sickest they've ever been. Yeah. Do you I didn't know that you had had it. Do you know where you got it? Oh, I didn't have it. Oh, oh, oh you're talking you're saying if I'm you're saying, saying like other I, people say. Yes. Other people say, yeah, no, I did. Yeah. not. I did not have a breakthrough case. OK. Yes. I didn't think you did. But then. I got confused in the, like I said, discombobulated. It's the hair. It's the hair. (laughs) It's the fucking shampoo. (laughs) Tony, why didn't I, why did I do this to myself today? I don't know. You didn't text me and ask me ahead of time. (laughs) I I just went ahead. (laughs) Just use that sample. Um, We have some questions that listeners sent in on Patreon. I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. All sorts of fun stuff there. Episodes of my bonus podcast, The Friend Zone. You can see videos of the Thursday show. This video is going to be on YouTube, youtube.com slash Allison Rosen. So make sure you're subscribed there. Um, There's a level where you can text me and I'll text you back. Uh, You can submit carbs for the Thursday show. And if you sign up for a year... An annual subscription, you get two months free. Lots of people have taken advantage of that. It's a good deal. So 12 months for the price of 10. Um, And also you can submit questions for my guest. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. 
right. Alyssa Van Dyke says, trying to get pregnant at 41. Any advice for an older mom? And then she added, wait, I'm 42, trying to get pregnant at 42. <laughs> um, try, sorry, trying to get pregnant at 42? Yeah. Any advice for any an advice? Older, yeah. I feel like our advice is going to be the same. I mean, I think my, I guess my advice to you would be to think about like, do you have a plan for what, what you're going to do if it doesn't work out? That's like my number one advice always like, um, and how long are you going to try for it? And um, I think it's just, I don't know. It's, I don't have, I feel like I don't have great like advice because it's really hard to get pregnant at 42. Like it just is. I don't know. Allison. My advice is just go to a fertility clinic. (laughs) Well, yeah. 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 If you Um, haven't, if you haven't explored that already. Right. And, and maybe, and she's, she's is a longtime listener. So maybe she has already. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think Dory's advice is good. I think I didn't realize when I first went, to the clinic, I didn't realize this might not work, but it, it might not work. Um, but then, you know, you and I were both very lucky and it did work. Yeah. So, um, but I did get to the point where I was like, this is not going to work. This is definitely not going to work. And I need to like figure out what my life will look like if this does not work. So, and you were going to get lots of dogs, right? I was going to get so many dogs. I love that. So many dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you, I mean, had you talked, had you gotten to a place where you were going to truly be okay? Either way. I mean, I definitely got into a better place. I'd gotten to a place of acceptance. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd gotten to a place of like excitement necessarily, (laughs) but I was like, I will, I will be okay. Like my life will go on and I will be able to have a rich and fulfilled, happy life. Yes. It's not going to be the life that I thought I was going to have. It's not going to be the life I was picturing. And I can still mourn that life. Mm -hmm. You know, I can still be sad that I didn't have that life, but it will be different. And I'm kind of going through that now with like, you know, having a second kid which is like looking less and less likely and so just kind of like reconciling myself to that Mm -hmm. you know i think we everyone strives to live in the moment Mm -hmm. but doing fertility stuff like makes that impossible totally yeah it's a real mind fuck uh, Whitney C says, when, if ever, did you start to feel like an adult? Mm. <laughs> Interesting question. I think I actually do think it was when I had a kid. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that that's different for everyone. And some people feel like adults much earlier than that. And some people never feel like adults. And some people obviously feel like adults without children like you don't have to have a child to feel like an adult but for me personally to have like have that huge responsibility of a child i was like okay this is not just about me anymore you right. know um so yeah i think that was probably when yeah it's weird for so long i didn't and now i do and i was actually just trying to think I was trying to remember recently, like what shifted and maybe it was just having kids. Cause I, I can't pinpoint it, 
but it just for me it feels like it was kind of a gradual thing mm-hmm. all right so let's do just me or everyone sometimes i ponder on something i have thought or done is it just me or everyone all right, Dory, do you have a just me or everyone? Okay, I do. Let's hear it. <laughs> um, do you keep voicemails in your phone that you have not listened to and you just don't delete them? Yes. But I also keep ones that I have listened to. I have yeah, ones same. going back to like 2011. It's oh, me too. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, but yes, sometimes I will like I know the gist because I I read the transcription. Right, right. But right, my right. my my uh mailbox fills up a lot, and so then I have to just get rid of ones if they're not important. Um, which by the way, none of them that I'm keeping are. I have weird reasons for keeping right. so many of them. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah. but yeah, I I like, like what's an example of one that you'll that you'll keep but haven't listened to. Okay, well let's let's open up my voicemail and just and just look at one. Okay, so I'm gonna scroll back. Okay, I have a my grandparents who are both dead. I have an unlistened voicemail from them from 2012. Oh, <laughs> well, how come you haven't listened to it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Now I feel like there's like now I'm like superstitious about listening to it or something. It could. I don't know. But what's weird, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, but what 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 bad outcome could happen? I think I think I feel guilty that like I didn't call them enough. Mm, that makes sense, you know. And so I'm like, oh, this voicemail is probably just gonna like make me feel bad that yeah. like I didn't I didn't call them enough when they were still alive. It is weird how difficult it is to listen to a voicemail. Like actually when I'm in the course of listening to it, it's not hard, but I have this hesitation about listening to stuff. I also have, I don't know if you have this. I oftentimes I will need to re-listen to an episode to find a promo clip or, or just for whatever reason. And like, I never want to go back and listen. And then I don't know what I'm afraid of feeling. Do you have that? Right. Yes, yes, totally. And that what am I afraid of feeling is like such a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um and I guess the answer for my grandparents is guilt apparently. <laughs> it's always some sort of like guilt or shame or obligation or Tony, yes. do you have this? Or are you normal? <laughs> uh which part? The the uh de- the not deleting or just the uh the hesitation. Well, I was asking. I guess it's not. I guess it's not deleting and also not listening to. Yeah, the hesitation <laughs> to. The, do you? Ha, what's your voicemail discipline? And then also, do you hesitate at all to listen to your podcast? Uh, well, I have to listen to my podcast for editing because it's all scripted, and so like, right. if I read up a, or if I scrub a line, I have to edit. But um, so yeah, and I've gotten to where that is like. I'm so used to it. I don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like pre-written. So it's not, you know, I'm not like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> um, but uh, as far as the voicemail thing, I don't usually listen to them because I'll usually just see the, like when I go to click on it, then it'll see the little 
the the written transcription. transcription. Yeah. And I'll, I'll usually only listen if there's like something about it that doesn't make any sense because the transcription's crazy. So I'll listen to them then. And I usually don't delete them either. I'll delete ones that are uh, like robocalls. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll ha- you know, mm-hmm. I have about 700 uh, it last warnings for my extended warranty about to expire. <laughs> <laughs> I get a voicemail, at least one of those every day, I think. Um, yes. So I'll delete those, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have this hesitation to listen to voicemails. It's weird. Yes, for sure. I think I'm also afraid of the like something about the voicemail is like, I'm going to listen to it and then be like, Oh shit, I was supposed to be there 45 minutes ago or something, which is like not, (laughs) not uh, congruent with the current way we're living. So what is this? What is this trauma we're all carrying around regarding voice memos? I don't Um, know because, you know, I remember like when we, excuse me, growing up when we had answering machines, I could not wait to listen to the answering machine messages. I would call into it all the time yeah. from various I mean, places like, on campus. Maybe it was like the element of surprise. Like we didn't yes. know who had called. So it was like, it could be anyone. Whereas like voice and we're like, oh, it was like so-and-so. Okay. Like it's just not as exciting. Do we all feel guilty all the time? Because that it's occurring to me that that's what happens when you see a name on your phone, like a a, a friend. There, I instantly feel guilty. <laughs> but why? I think I think I might have a theory on, on this Ooh. with the, the with the voicemail. Like it, you're saying, how it's not as exciting now as it was when we had answering machines and stuff. It's so easy to reach anybody at all times now mm-hmm. through text That's and email so and stuff. And then back yep. then it was a lot harder. It was like phone was the only way. So it was kind of, whereas now I feel like if somebody calls me, it's usually like my phone. I rarely get phone calls. It's it's usually a junk right. call or something important. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's the, that's my thing. Sometimes like, oh, so-and-so is calling me. I hope everything's okay. Tony and I have talked on the phone once when I called you. No, I was going to say, did you have that feeling when I called you? But you probably didn't because I think I had, I had, I, I sought we your like consent. Text or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like, like, I'm going to call you. Which is, which is also the funny thing everybody does now too. It's, it's like just calling someone is so rare. It's usually gets a text ahead of time. Yeah. Is it okay totally, if I call yeah. you? Yeah. Which is so funny. Yes. Or and, scheduling and I a never call. And I never leave a voicemail either. I'm like, hey, just call. I like text someone. Just tried you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You <know>? yeah. <laughs> Where are you guys with the voice memo feature? Oh, like, like sending to someone? Sending a voice memo as a text. I have a couple friends who do it. I don't do it. Yeah, um, pretty much the exact same boat. Yeah. Well, and I am going to name drop my real life friend, Marilyn Rice Cub, who came on as a guest, and then we pivoted to real life friendship. And I like to drop her name all the time. She's probably my only voice memo friend where we voice memo each other a lot. But it really does feel like a conversation without the uh, without the having to be on the phone of having a real phone call. But we've even talked on the phone a couple times, and I've enjoyed it. Now I'm really just bragging about being friends with someone you might have seen on All some right, shows. Allison, we get it. You're cool. I mean, she thinks so. Okay. Okay. 
Wit Yao says, I accidentally scare people because of how quietly I move around. Always feel bad when it happens. No, I don't think I scare people, but I am the jumpiest human being in the whole world. So I'm constantly being scared by the movement of other people in my house. What about you guys? I'm the exact same as you. Like, my husband, who is like not a small person, will almost every day like scare the shit out of me <laughs> because I'm like wrapped up in something and like suddenly he's behind me. I'm like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> like, and I just like don't hear him or just am like not paying attention. So, yes, I relate to your feelings about this, Allison. Um, let's see here. Eric says, even though I don't consider myself a superstitious person, there are some superstitious activities I can't help but always remember and avoid. For example, I'd never put a pair of shoes on a table lest it bring about bad luck. See, I didn't even know that was bad luck. And I also am not a superstitious. I think I can no longer say I'm not a superstitious person. I don't believe in anything. And yet, if someone opens an umbrella indoors, I'm like, what mm-hmm. are you doing? Like my mom, mm-hmm. umbrella shopping with her is the most stressful because she has to give. It's been a long time since we've umbrella shopped together. <laughs> but we have before. She has to she has to take each umbrella. She has to give it a little spin. So she's got to open it in the store. And I'm like, what are you doing, lady? It's so bad. Superstitious wise. What about it's you guys? It's funny because one of my only superstitions also has to do with shoes. What is it? <laughs> I always put my left shoe on and then my right shoe. Interesting. I don't, but I don't totally know. I think it's like a luck thing, but that's just like, I read that somewhere when I was like a kid mm-hmm. and I've just always done it that way. I do always put mascara on my right eye and then my left eye. Hmm. And yet I put on eyeliner, left eye, and then right. It's all backwards. Hmm. Tony, are you superstitious? I don't think so. Like those things, like you were talking about uh, the umbrella thing. Like if I see those things happen, like I'll think like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. But that I don't really like believe it or anything. And I don't think I really have any of those things. What about if a black cat crosses your path? Are you totally cool with that? Yeah. I see, I see one in, in my neighborhood all the time. And I don't think twice about it so even if it literally crosses your path yeah (laughs) i used to live with i used to live with a black cat also so i feel that maybe that that work uh, out for you uh i mean i'm still here (laughs) (laughs) um okay everyone at least needs to go to youtube.com slash allison rosen if you're not there yet and then go to whatever minute this is so that they can see bentley your oh. stuffed animal looking plump <laughs> nugget of a dog <laughs> in the back corner. Out. So cute. Oh, he's so cute. <laughs> thank you. Um, Dory, thank you so much for joining the show. This has oh been gosh. so much fun. Um, okay, I have to tell you, I-, I always feel like it's not my best interviews when I'm like I when I when I when I make it about me and when I'm like, I relate to this and this and this and this, except I did relate to so much. Um but in the interest of telling you all the things I related to, I must tell you this part. So in 2015 or 16, I wrote a proposal for a book. It was about my IVF journey. Um, mm-hmm. And at that point, I didn't know yet if I hadn't done a retrieval yet. It was about all the stuff before that. And I remember the proposal was like, you know, so either this could happen or this could happen. And I felt 
really good about that. And my agent too, like we both felt like it was a really strong proposal. And I remember sending it out and being like, here it comes, you know, like all the, and then it did not sell. Um, Mm -hmm. We were both pretty surprised by that, but it's funny. I I go back and I read it now and I'm like, I, I see some problems with it, but the general feedback was like, we like her, we like her writing, but we don't think this is going to sell. So I recast it as a book about being a late bloomer. And then I got pregnant and then I never did anything with it. But I was also working on a book about it. In fact, in my, in my drafts, it's still called late bloomer. Um, I didn't, yeah, it was, it was going to be called, um, I'm on my way. (laughs) It was like a working title. Uh, so anyway, so like I said, I relate so much to all of this. Everyone go out and get thanks for waiting and also get startup. I feel like on Amazon, you can probably just click something and get both of them. Oh, together, yeah. One of right? those, like, people often buy these together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, tell everyone where they can find you, what they should look for. Um, so I'm on Instagram at Dory, D-O-R-E-E. I'm on Twitter at Dory, D-O-R-E-E. My website is dory dot com, And you can listen to Forever 35 and Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure wherever you get your podcast. Thank you. Did you get on Twitter early? Because to be able to lock down just your first name. So, well, first of all, I have a pretty unusual first name and it's spelled in an unusual way. But I did not have my name for a very long time. My, my Twitter handle was Dory Shafrier. And then when I worked at BuzzFeed, my... Um, there was like someone at BuzzFeed who was like in charge of like getting people verified and like all this stuff. Oh, wow. And they noticed that the person who had at Dory wasn't active. Like she never tweeted. And somehow they, <laughs> they like got the account from her and gave it to me. So that's how I got at Dory on Twitter. But I was pretty early on Instagram. That's how I got Dory on got Instagram. It. Wow, I wonder what they did. It sounds like they did I it know. in like the dead of in the dark of night. I know. <laughs> I think it was something where like if you were verified and the account you wanted like hadn't been active mm-hmm. in X amount of time, they would be like, "Well, guess this person's not active," and then like yeah. <laughs> take the account from them, yeah. which like you know probably kind of effed up. But what are you gonna do? Are you thinking about another book? I am thinking about another book. I think um, whatever I write next will be fiction. Um, Follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. If you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, honestly, just if you heard this, please make sure to subscribe or follow or whatever you call it in your app of choice. Um, Leave us a nice comment on Apple Podcasts. That helps the show so much. Tell your friends, listen to my other podcast, Childish, that I do with Greg Fitzsimmons. And... um, Tony, did I forget anything? I mean, I know I forgot to ask you, which I'm going to do, but I just mean in my own stuff, did I forget? I think you got, I like I I think I got did everything. It. You mentioned Patreon a bunch earlier. So I, I did. Think I think you're covered. Thank you. Tony, what about you? I'm a Twitter and Instagram at... Tony Thaxton! And my podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday. And uh, I'll be in October, on October 22nd right is that the right date yes october 22nd uh in chicago at subterranean with don't stop or we'll die and the sloppy boys are playing also uh and that is almost sold out so if you've not gotten tickets for that and you live in there and live in there live in chicago <laughs> my discombobulated did you use my shampoo <laughs> <laughs> your hair does look very sleek <laughs> <laughs> i think that's it i think that's it for now
All right. Dory, thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you. Listeners, thank you for listening. You matter. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best.